It's time now for the Pulpit Hour, featuring some of God's choice preachers. Stay tuned at the end of today's message for information on how you can obtain a copy of today's sermon. Job chapter 31 and verse number 1. This is Job speaking now. Job has been accused of about anything and everything. One of the accusations that has been brought against Job is that he's been unfaithful to his wife that he's committed adultery. If you, want a, if you want a reference on that, look at verse 9 and verse number 10 in the same chapter. I'm not going to read it. But here's Job's answer. Job said, I have made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes. My Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for what you've already done in the service. I thank you, Lord, for every song, every testimony. I thank you, Lord, for our teachers. Father, I pray now that God should move back all the forces, the powers that might hinder us, that we might worship you this morning. I pray, God, that you'd set a guard around us, Lord, a holy guard how to keep the demons and devils away. And, Father, that we might set our heart and our thought and our mind upon the Word of God. Lord, you'd speak to us and speak through us. And, Father, whatever's accomplished, we'll be careful to give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor for everything that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to look first of all in the introductory thoughts just uh, about this word covenant, about making a covenant. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. I looked, I looked in the Webster's 1828 dictionary on the word covenant and I couldn't co- copy all uh, that, uh, that they said about uh, in the dictionary about a covenant. But I picked out several of the definitions that I wanted to bring to you this morning. It said that a covenant is to come together. It is a gathering of, of your mind, maybe of you and another individual or whatever. And that, by the way, Job has not made this covenant with somebody else. Job did not make this covenant with God. Job made a covenant within himself. He made a covenant with his eyes. And so it says, uh, uh, the dictionary said it is to come together. He said it's a meeting of the minds. It says also that it is to enter into a formal agreement. To enter into a formal agreement. Now, uh, God spoke unto Abraham many, many years ago uh, uh, and made a covenant with Abraham. And in the operation of this covenant, God told Abram uh, to bring uh, a a three-year-old she-goat and a three-year-old ram and a turtle dove and a pigeon. 
and he told him to take the she-goat and cut her in half and lay the parts aside, and the ram and cut it in half and lay the parts aside, and then to lay one turtle dove on one side and a pigeon on the other side. And the the thought was, and of that time, that the two would walk together between the pieces and seal a covenant that they had made. So Abraham killed the uh, uh, the animals and parted them and got them in the right place. Uh, and then he waited for God, uh, and God didn't come, and he didn't come. The Bible said that he drove away the beast, and he drove away the fowls of the air until dark come. And said when dark come, uh, that God caused a deep sleep to come up on, uh, up on Abram, uh, and uh, he laid down and went to sleep, and he set a burning lamp. Uh, God Himself came and walked between the pieces. Now, this is a this is a covenant. Uh, most covenants uh, are made with two parties in agreement, uh, but God made this covenant with Abram. Uh, and uh, and uh, I, I want to just uh, say also uh, that that uh, the dictionary said that the, a covenant is to bind oneself by a contract, to bind oneself with a contract. And it said also that it is a pledge or a promise. I'm talking about a covenant. It's a pledge or a promise. Amen. Now, now, covenant with God is important. And I want to clarify before I even get too far down the line. I'm not talking about making a covenant with God this morning. I'm talking about making a covenant with ourselves. Job said, I've made a covenant with mine eyes. Amen. So uh, covenants are important uh, in the Bible. The Old Testament's full of them. I, I don't have time to go into uh, 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 all of them or even a few of them. I will mention them for just a few minutes. Uh, uh, there is the Edenic covenant and uh, uh, the Adamic covenant, the Noadic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, uh, Palestinian covenant, the Davidic covenant. And in the New Testament, there is a new covenant. You read that in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter number 8 and verse number 6, where he said that we have a better covenant uh, and better promises. Amen. But I want to just say that God uh, is interested in covenants. Amen. And uh, some covenants are uh, promises of God. Some of them uh, are uh, uh, conditional and some of them are unconditional. Amen. Let me just mention a couple of those uh, in introductory thought. John 3.16 is a promise. Amen. But it's a conditional promise. It said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, uh, that whosoever believeth, there's there's the there's the, the our part of it. There's the conditional part of it. Whosoever believeth on Jesus. Amen. Then he said, if you would believe on Jesus, he said uh, uh, that they should, uh, they should not perish nor ha- and have everlasting life. That's the promise that God's made. But it's conditional to those that believe on him. And then there's some unconditional promises. Find one in Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5. He said, uh, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's an unconditional promise, amen. That's to the children of God, those that are saved. God said, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, 
Amen. And that's a hard way to look at it. Uh, it's a shameful way to look at it that God's going to have to go with you wherever you go. But if you're saved, he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's a, that's a promise, amen, that he's made that is not conditional. John chapter number 14, here is another unconditional promise. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Amen. That's the promise. Amen. He said, I will come again. I'm glad to have that blessed promise. I bet the Lord Jesus is coming again. Amen. Now I want to talk to you this morning for just a little while about possibly making a covenant. I want you to think as I preach through the message, I want you to, I want you to think of a covenant that maybe you might, you might get a hold of. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about a promise to God. All right, let's get it clear. I'm not talking about you making a covenant with God. Matter of fact, the Bible says uh, uh, that if you're going, it, you, it's better for you not to make a promise to God if you're not going to keep it. Better not to make it. So we're not, we're not talking about making a promise to God. I'm talking about making a promise to yourself. All right, you stay with me now. I won't be preaching a whole lot or long this morning. Uh, but I do want to, I do have some things that you need to hear this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter number four, verse number 12 says this, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. A threefold cord is not easily broken. Amen. You understand that? All right. Now, I've got, I've got a, I've got three points that I want to deal with this morning. I want you to think very seriously about these. Uh, I want to, I want to talk about a covenant with your eyes, a covenant with your ears, and a covenant with your tongue. A threefold cord is not easily broken. So if you will, pray for me that God would help me. I, Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Now, the accusation was in verse number 9 and, and 10 down here. He said, if my heart had been deceived by a woman or if I had laid wait at my neighbor's door, then let my wife grind unto another and let another bow down unto her. They have accused him of so many things. Matter of fact, Job's three friends came after that God had lifted the hedge around Job and Job lost all his property. The Bible said that he was an upright man and that he loved God and he served God. He was a religious man. He was a family man. He was a good husband. Matter of fact, the Bible makes no charge at all. It said he was a perfect and upright man. And the devil came and the Lord lifted the hedge from around Job and and the devil uh, uh, brought some great things, uh, horrible things. Uh, uh, Job lost ten children in one day, buried ten children, uh, uh, every child that he had. Uh, and he lost all of his herds and his flocks. Uh, he lost his men servants and maid servants. Uh, matter of fact, he is absolutely, totally 
done and broke. And then also he's been stricken with sore boils from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. And his wife has even looked at him and said, Job, I guess the thought of it is this is incurable. You're going to die anyway. Why don't you just go ahead and curse God and die and get this mess over with? And Job said, you sound like a foolish woman. Uh, and uh, and Job's three friends came, and it looked so bad. Uh, Bible said they spent seven days just sitting with Job uh, and looking at him uh, and thinking. They sat there thinking, uh, and here's what they thought. They thought there ain't no way, uh, there's no way that God would allow such as this to come on a man that has not sinned. And so therefore, uh, what is on Job uh, is the judgment of Almighty God. Uh, and I don't know what he's done. And he won't tell us what he's done. Uh, so they spend chapter after chapter uh, trying to figure out uh, and make accusations uh, to Job uh, as to what kind of a sin he has sinned uh, to cause such a calamity to come on his life. Uh, and one of those, one of those sins uh, they accused him of was adultery, immorality, And Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. And he said, why then should I look upon a maid? I want to I ask you this morning if you might be interested in making a covenant with your eyes. Amen. Amen. A covenant with our eyes. Job's covenant, if I understand this correctly, Job had made a covenant with his own eyes. And he said, I've got a, I've got a wife that I love. I've got children that I love. And he, and he said, I don't, I don't need anybody else. I don't need anything else. And he knows, Job knows the heart of man. He knows how weak we are, how frail we are. So Job just made a covenant and said, I'm not going to allow my eyes to look at anything that might, that might excite my flesh or that might cause me to lust or cause me to uh, be covetous of what somebody else has. And he said, I've just made a covenant uh, with my eyes that I'll not look at anything that dishonors my God or dishonors my wife or that dishonors myself. Amen. Now, you know and I know uh, that there's two main entrances into the soul of man. And one of them is the eye gate and one of them is the ear gate. And I, I do know uh, that Satan, that Satan uses uh, the eye gate, also the ear gate, but mostly the eye gate uh, to try to destroy you. By the way, I'm not just preaching to young people this morning. I'm preaching to all of us. Hey, you, you have not arrived. You have not reached the plateau that the Apostle Paul said, I'm striving for. You hadn't got there yet. Paul didn't make it. Now, we will make it one day, uh, but not in this flesh and not in this life. Uh, but when Jesus comes back, we will reach that plateau. But until then, I'm striving. I'm working at it. I'm trying my best uh, day by day to get a little closer and a little closer. Uh, and uh, and the devil knows, uh, uh, the devil knows that the eye 
gate is an entrance into our soul, and so he's determined to use the eye gate to get you away from what God wants you to be. Amen? Amen. All right. I want to just say this. Job was serious in his heart when he made, this is not a fly-by-night covenant that he made. This is not just, I think I might do this. I, I believe Job has sat down and thought this thing out and has decided if I make a covenant with my eyes, it'll keep me out of a lot of trouble and heartache. I want you to know something else. I want you to be serious, but I want you to know that somebody else is real serious too, amen? The devil is real serious about destroying your life. He don't, he don't care if you're 50 years old or if you're 17 years old. He does not care. His, his desire, my Bible says that he is uh, as, a, as a roaring lion uh, going about seeking whom he may devour. Uh, it's Satan's desire to destroy your home and your marriage and your life. He is serious about it, amen? He is not, hey, he didn't just come once every two or three years and sort of tempt you. Uh, he sends his demons and devils and, and, and everything else and, and you, don't, you don't make it through a day uh, without, without something that, dealing, that you have to deal with. Uh, plus we have, we have our own flesh and we have the world uh, and, and the devil himself to deal with uh, and he's as serious as a heart attack about his business of destroying your life and your home and your marriage. And if you want to save it, you better be serious about making a covenant with your eyes. That's a starting place, amen? Make a covenant with your eyes. You just decide, eyes, we're not going to look at these filthy TV programs and it seems like every program they make anymore uh, uh, starts out and it makes a beeline for the bedroom. Every program. Amen. Charles Haddon Spurgeon made this statement to his boys. He said, when you, when you read your text, get the attention of your crowd, make a beeline for Calvary. Amen. I believe the devil uh, is trying to get you to make a beeline to immorality. And so all the TV programs and the, and the internet is so full, it's so full of pornography and it's so easy and it, and it seems so innocent when you're sitting somewhere in your back bedroom and your wife's asleep or your kids are gone and you're flipping through. It seems so easy to flip on. And I don't have the internet and don't know how to use it. I'm scared to get one. I'm afraid, I'm afraid to hit the wrong buttons. But you that have it, I understand. I've heard that there's so many porn porn spots or, or whatever they are called on your, on your computer uh, that there's so many that you could have one of your own. Nobody else on it, just you. I, I'm amazed. I, I know of a preacher and I knew him personally. He uh, is a young man, got married and his wife suspected that he was, that he was on porn uh, 
And so one day while he was gone, she had a friend she'd made arrangements with uh, to come and examine the computer. And they found he had been on over a thousand websites, porn websites. One man on over a thousand websites. And he just married, just married. And, uh, and his life was totally ruined from the very beginning. Amen. Hey, the devil's got those websites there for a reason. Same as he's got uh, the TV program to head for the bedroom. Uh, and, and it's amazing to me that even, even the ladies' magazines uh, that used to be family magazines and family-oriented uh, are, are now filled with pornography uh, and filled with... Uh, uh, immorality, uh, just about any magazine you pick up. I'm amazed. Uh, the only magazines uh, that I have, uh, and I don't have but one, I don't, well, I've got rid of all of them but one. I've got South Carolina uh, Outdoor Magazines, the only thing I've got. But I used to have uh, Outdoor Life and a couple more, uh, and, and it got so even in the Outdoor Life magazine. I'm talking about hunting and fishing magazines. Uh, there's so much, there's so much in the back of it until I canceled all my prescriptions or subscriptions. Amen. I know I've said it wrong when my wife goes to grinning. Amen. All right. But the devil is serious, real serious, about destroying you. I, I want you to know it's not an accident that all the Hollywood stars dress in an immoral way. That's, that's not... That's not. Uh, that's not. That's that's the devil uh, uh, doing what he's doing. They deliberately. They deliberately dress to entice lust. Hollywood does that. Amen. Then I want to just say this also: that lost folks dress that way too. And I might as well throw this in while I'm at it: is backslid Christian ladies dress that way too to entice? to entice some backslid man to lust after that individual. Amen. Hey, I'm, I'm talking about some serious stuff. Hey, when you, when you, uh, uh, when you uh, have eyes that you can see, amen, you better be careful what you look at. I, I, I guess one of the best illustrations that I, that I ever heard, uh, Brother Andy Wells gave it several years ago, I was I was in a meeting when he gave this, and he uh, he was talking about uh, to get the illustration started. If we remembered, if we remembered years ago, on a on a TV program that uh, I don't know the name of it, but it was a giveaway program, and you have to answer a question. If you answer the question right, then there'd be three doors over there: number one, two, and three. And uh, you choose whichever door that you wanted to go into, and you got whatever was behind that door. That is the prize that you got. And uh, and Brother Wells made mention of this. He said, "In your mind, in your mind, in your soul, whatever, in your mind," he said, "There's doors. Now these doors in your mind is not marked one, two, and three. These doors in your mind, you know what's behind them. There's a door that's marked immorality. 
There's a door that's marked drinking. There's a door. All of these doors are there in your mind. All the sin, I guarantee you, the devil has showed you enough through your eyes to give you all of those doors in your mind. And Brother Wells made this statement. He said, I thought that I could open that door and go in, and if I didn't like it, I could shut the door and come out and shut the door. And he said, I opened the door, and I went in, and I found out I didn't want it. I didn't like it. And he said, I came out, and I slammed the door shut behind me, and said, I started to step off, and he said, the door the lock was broke and I couldn't shut it. Do you know what addiction is? Addiction is when you open a door and you step into that door and you try that and you decide you don't like it and so when you step out, the door swings open behind you and it's still calling at you and still until until you until you listen, you turn around and you slip back in the door again. And then you get all upset and mad that you did that. So you come out and you slam the door again. And this time, this time you slam it as hard as you can so it won't open again and step away and, and it comes open again. And that crowd in there is enticing and they're saying, come on, come on, come on. And if you don't, if you don't have a whole lot of strength, uh, you'll crawl right back in that same door again. Uh, the thing is uh, that you need to make a covenant with your eyes uh, that you will not allow yourself to look uh, on uh, those things uh, that excite lust in your heart and your mind. Uh, hey, there's things that we're going to see that you can't help seeing. Uh, uh, but you don't have you don't have to stare at them. Uh, you don't have to linger at it. Uh, uh, you can look some other way, amen. Or oh, there's a knob on that TV. You can turn it off, amen. You need to make a make a promise that you will not look at something that calls you to lust. And and you ladies need to make a promise to yourself that you'll not dress in any way uh, that causes some backslid Christian or some old lost man out of lust after you. So first of all, will you make a covenant with your eyes that you will not look on those things that cause lust and entice immoral excitement in your mind that you won't look. You're not going to get rid of it. it it's on, on billboards, on the highway. It's in every magazine. It's everywhere you look. Anytime you, it's, it's going to be there. But you know you don't have to look. You can, you can get away. Then, then also, <coughs> would, would, this is the second chord now. Would you make a covenant with your ears? Would you make a covenant with your ears? Amen. This is that threefold chord. This is chord number two. And this also, the ear gate, the ear gate is the entrance into the soul. And I, 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 I feel like, I feel like I started to say the eye, eye gate was the worst or the biggest, but I'm not sure. The Lord has chosen the ear gate. 
more than the eye gate. Now, when Jesus was here, they saw him perform miracles. They saw him do great and mighty things. But he's not here now in that physical sense. I cannot see all the things that God does, but he's used to irrigate. He said, by the foolish, God's chosen by the foolishness of preaching. Amen. Amen. Uh, that comes into our ears and comes into our heart. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so uh, so we need to make a covenant with our ears uh, uh, that we'll not allow Satan's enticement that we won't listen to it. Amen. Stop up our ears. Stop up our ears. Amen. Years and years ago, I guess this is back in mythology, uh, they talked about they talked about fellows on ships and certain place they come to. They said the uh, the sirens uh, sung a song, these mermaids or whatever, and and the men had to stop up their ears uh, because if they didn't stop up their ears, they'd be so crazy with lust that they'd jump overboard and and wind up drowning. I know that's just mythology, but it it, it illustrates it illustrates a whole lot uh, that if, that if you don't stop up your ears to this world. Uh, You'll be jumping overboard too. Amen. Amen. Now, Satan uses both the eye gate and the ear gate. The Lord uses mostly the ear gate, but Satan uses both of them. He's serious about this thing. He's serious about destroying your home and your marriage and your life. The devil is real serious about it. And we're going to have to get serious with God. Amen. 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 Let me say first of all, the devil's the devil's got a lot of perversions that some folks call Bibles. And there's a lot of so called preachers. Now, my Bible calls them false prophets that are preaching wrong. And and men are listening. I'm I'm amazed, Brother Stan, how many folks are raised in a in a good independent fundamental Bible believing sixteen eleven King James Bible preaching church uh, where the Spirit of God is. Uh, I'm amazed at how many so-called born-again Christians will slip out of that uh, and go into some compromising liberal church uh, uh, where some false prophet is preaching out of a false Bible uh, and giving them false hope and allowing them to live any way they want to live and tell them everything's all right. Hey, the devil will use the eye gate and he'll also use the ear gate. And, and, and this crowd, uh, this crowd uh, is doing the work of the devil uh, that's uh, promoting uh, compromise and liberalism and, and all of that. They're doing, they're not doing God's work. They're doing the work of the devil. Amen. The devil has enticed them. I didn't say their preacher was a lost man. I, I, I just, I've just said he's backslid on God and he's allowing the devil to dictate uh, in his heart uh, or his people dictate in his heart what he will and what he will not preach. So we need to make a covenant with our ears. And not only to, on what the uh, preachers that we'd hear, I'll tell you, there's some preachers on the television, on the radio, that you just need to turn them off. You don't need to listen to them. Amen. Amen. Then I want to say also that the devil uses music. The ear gate. Music. It's amazing the power that music has. I'm totally amazed at the power that music has. Music teaches 
It puts things in your head and in your mind. I want to say, I want to say this, rock music puts some bad things in your mind. Rock music, rock music puts a immorality in your mind. It puts rebellion in your mind. I've told you about uh, about my wife's brother's uh, adopted son or his wife's son, and he had a he had a, a photostatic memory. I mean, I, I've never seen nobody like him. Matter of fact, he uh, uh, he he applied he applied at the the space center, NASA, and 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 he impressed them so that they paid NASA paid for a four-year education at the University of Tennessee, ever sent paid for. While he was there, he got into rock music. He wrote a note and had a phrase out of a rock music and took a thirty-eight and stuck it in his mouth and blowed his, blowed his brains out. And he wrote a, a phrase out of a rock song. Hey, music teaches, and the devil's music teaches wrong. It, it teaches you to rebel against your parents. It teaches you to drink. It teaches you uh, uh, to, to, to get into immorality. Somebody told me they, that they like they this, uh, this contemporary music. You know, the devil don't always jump in with both feet. Sometimes he sneaks in. I, I believe, I believe, I believe contemporary music leads to contemporary preaching that leads to contemporary worship that leads to a contemporary Christian life. And you know what the word contemporary means, don't you? It means it's like the real thing, but it's not the real thing. There's a lot of Christians uh, that looks like they're really living it, but they really ain't. Because they've, they've got a contemporary Christianity. It's like the real thing, but it ain't the real thing. Amen. I don't. I don't. I don't like the contemporary. I, I don't like I, none of that. I, I. I like. I like the old time, old time gospel. Amen. I, I like. I like the singing, like the Bible speaks about speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody, making melody in your heart. Rock music and uh, uh, that contemporary stuff don't make melody in your heart. Uh, it makes uh, it makes dancing in your feet. Amen. So number one, chord number one, make a covenant with your eyes. Chord number two, make a covenant with your ears. I'm not listening to that. Not letting that into my mind. And number three, make a covenant with your tongue. Amen. Make a covenant. I'm not talking about making a covenant with God. I'm talking about you making a covenant with yourself, with your eyes, your ears, and your tongue. Amen. I, I, I don't know how much I'm going to read of this, but uh, I'll tell you the book of James, the book of James, chapter number three especially, uh, really deals with the tongue. It said, My brethren, uh, be not many masters, knowing uh, that we shall receive the greater condemnation 
For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle his own body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also ships which... Uh, though uh, they be so great, are driven in fierce winds, uh, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, uh, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Uh, hey, I, I want to just tell you something. If we, if we ever learn to control our tongues... You'll be a whole lot better off if you ever learn to control your tongue. I think, I think, just be honest with you, I think, uh, I, I think some folks have one ear, one ear tuned to uh, everything, and the other ear is tuned to gossip. It has a bucket in there with the lid off of it, just waiting to hear gossip. I'm, I'm amazed that how many folks are so thrilled to hear gossip, and as soon as they hear it, then they have to run somewhere else and 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 spew it out again. Amen. Amen. Now I'm 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 up in years, and I know about probably some things that the young people don't know a whole lot about. But uh, I, I, I I remember I remember when uh, I remember when some men came to my daddy's house and dug a well. Now I know, I know, I know you've seen these big well drillers, these big long poles up there in the bit, and they drill wells. You've seen all that. But have you ever seen anybody dig a well? Back back then I can remember, I remember dad had made a, a, a big old uh, a windless set up over, over the place where they was digging. Had some boards on it, and then he had a had a uh, uh, I guess it is a, a a piece of a, a tree about so big around, and he hewed the ends of it down and put it uh, on that where it had turned, put a crank on one end of it, hooked a rope to it, and those fellows would uh, get in that they'd get in that, hook that to them, and they'd let them down in the well, and they'd dig it out, and they'd, they'd bring it out in buckets, bring it out in buckets. That's the kind of well we had at my house. Not too many years before I left home, the well got bad. Now, where, where I was raised up in North Carolina, night crawlers, night crawlers filled the yard. Matter of fact, matter of fact, before God ever called me to preach, and my daddy had a boat dock out on Lake Hiawassee, and uh, we'd get off from work and. And uh, we'd, we'd get the wife and the kids, and we'd pick up a thousand night crawlers. And my daddy would give us a penny apiece for them. He sold them for fish bait, and ten dollars would buy enough gas to take us to Murphy, North Carolina, and back, and put some gas in the boat and fish. And, and we could we could let our kids let our, let our kids get one drink and one candy bar a day. And ten dollars would bring us back home. A thousand night crawlers. It's all over our yard, and there's night crawlers all over our yard. But the problem with that was that sometimes the night crawlers crawled into the well. And after a while, whenever you get your glass up to drink, it smelled like night crawlers. 
and, and the water got stinking. And Daddy had to call somebody in to go down in the well. They, they dipped all the water out of the well that they could get out, and this fellow had to go down in there. And when he got down in there, there's, there's dead night crawlers, and, uh, and, and there, was a, there was a frog or two and, and a rat or two. And that's where our drinking water come from. Amen. Anybody want to go to my home place? <laughs> now, I'm, I didn't just tell you that for a history lesson. You see what, what our tongue brings out? What our tongue brings out, it, it's like a well bucket. Our tongue is like a well bucket. I know you youngers don't know what a well bucket is, but it's a bucket that'll hold probably two and a half, maybe three gallons. And, and the bale on the bucket, it, it, it comes up, say, all right, you got that? That's the top of the bucket. The, the, the bale comes up this way, makes a circle, comes back down on the other side. You tie your rope in that circle. And you also tie, you tie a, a weight on, on the same place. Because if you don't have the weight on it, the bucket will just go down and sit on top of the water. So you have to have a weight to turn the bucket over and get it full of water and then, then wind her back up out of there. Your tongue is like the whale bucket. Do you know what it brings up from inside? It brings up what's inside. And, and it got to where the water coming out of our well smelled like rotten nightcrawlers. And, and it smelled like dead frogs. I wonder, I wonder what the whale bucket your tongue brings. I wonder what, what it smells like coming out of you. I, I wonder if the words you speak smell like dead night crawlers. Wonder if your conversation is like dead rats. Do you know what you speak? You that, that whale bucket, your tongue, it brings up what's inside. The Bible, the Bible speaks about that, and, and it said, uh, it said some whales are some. Uh, water said uh, uh, out of some wells it have it, it it would have sweet water and bitter water. He said it ought not to be. It ought not to be that that a well would produce sweet water and bitter water. He's not talking about a well of water. Uh, he's talking about you. Uh, uh, it ought not to be that part of the time you bring up sweet water uh, and part of the time you bring up uh, you bring up stinking stinking water, uh, uh, bitter water. Out of the, hey, what? Hey, that's the gossipers. Uh, uh, the gossipers have got a problem down inside, uh, and that's what the well the well brings up that old that tongue brings up. All that old bitter stuff. But he said also, can a well produce sweet water and bitter water? It ought not to be. But I'm afraid sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. You need to make a covenant with your tongue that you'll clean out your well. Now I'll tell you something. It was a job cleaning out that well. They, they, I don't know how many buckets. I mean, as fast as they could run that bucket down there and get out. Had to get the water down in the well before they cleaned it out. And they worked and they worked. And then finally, when the water got low enough, they put that man on there and run him down in that well. And he had to clean up the mess down in there. It was a hard job. It was a long job. I want to tell you something. 
if you've got if you've got that old bitter water down on the inside of you, uh, uh, one little one little pass through the altar down here uh, may not get the bitter water out. Amen. You may have to get as serious about living for God uh, as the devil is serious about destroying your life, uh, and you're going to have to get in an altar somewhere uh, and and do business with God uh, and say, God, I've got to stop this gossiping. Uh, I've got to stop listening to this gossiping. Uh, I've got to stop spreading this gossiping. Uh, I've got to get the bitterness out of my tongue and out of my heart and out of my life so I can so I can speak sweet things. Amen. I don't know anybody that really deep down in their heart wants to spew bitter water all the time. Amen. Your mouth can bring forth sweet and gentle waters. that is full of grace that will help and encourage instead of making everybody mad and hurting everybody's feelings. Brother Barney was teaching this morning and I, I had to flip in. He's teaching in Psalm 51. I had to, I had to open my Bible up and get my outline out and, and uh, I, I, talking about, talking about this, this water that comes out, it'll produce singing. It'll produce praising it'll produce joy, it'll produce gladness, and it'll produce rejoicing if you got the right thing inside. Amen. Amen. I like it when that choir goes to singing them sweet songs. Boy, I'll tell you something starts turning inside, and it ain't dead night crawlers either. Amen. It's sweet. It's precious. Makes me want to worship. Amen. Amen. All right. That's my message. I want to ask you this. Would you be serious enough to make a covenant, not with God, but with your eyes and your ears and your mouth, your tongue? You make a covenant with yourself. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to allow that to come out of my mouth. Brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. That concludes our Pulpit Hour message for today. If you would like to order a copy of today's message, you can call our studios at 828 828- 884-9427 or write to us at WGCR 3232 Hendersonville Highway Pisgah Forest, North Carolina 28768 You can also hear today's message on our website at WGCR.net The Pulpit Hour is brought to you by Anchor Broadcasting